Hello there, I'm Ashley Mingwasser. Welcome back to Classroom Conversations. We consider this podcast the platform for Georgia's teachers. Why? Because it's 30 minutes to yourself. Just kidding. Because it's a place where educators can share and learn. And we're so glad you're here. This series is presented by the Georgia Department of Education. Thank you. Alongside production partners, Georgia Public Broadcasting. And I am lost at sea. At least that's where I want to be. Today, the sea came to us. In this episode, you're going to hear words and locations that will transport you to a sunnier, saltier place right here in Georgia, to a science teacher's paradise, Tybee Island. And someone incredibly knowledgeable just blew in to teach us about the joys and values associated with PBLs, project-based learning units, that is. My guest today does actual ecological research with her middle school students at Tybee Island Maritime Academy. (laughs) What'd you do today, Ashley? Not that. And it's a jolly holiday with science teacher Katie Holiday. Hi, Katie. Hi. First of all, you have an awesome surname. You're forever on holiday. What kind of comments do you get from students about that? Um, the kids don't really say too much about it, but other other grownups, like even yesterday when I was getting my oil changed, the guy was like, oh, I wish I could take one of those today. You know? <laughs> I bet he <laughs> it's does. More of a, it's more of a dad joke thing, I think. It, you're right. I went straight for the dad joke. I couldn't <laughs> help it. It's the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Tell us about the science subjects you teach. I know you teach grades six through eight science subjects at your school. What subjects are those? I teach sixth grade earth and space science. Um, I teach seventh grade. We offer high school environmental science to our seventh grade students. So that's what I teach seventh grade. And then this year, um, for the first time, I'm going to be teaching ecological research to eighth graders. Incredibly advanced for the middle school audience. No? Um, I think, that, you know, they can handle it. Exactly. They can do it. Exactly. It amazes me what students in middle school are doing that I feel like I was learning in high school, which is so impressive. Oh, that yeah, they're capable of so many things. You know, they, they can really, we set the expectations high and they, you know, they can do it. Right. Why not throw it at them a little earlier? I love a room with a view. I'm curious. Can you look out your classroom window and see sailboats and seabirds or? Not no. quite. We have to walk. <laughs> it, it takes, it's about a two block walk to the beach. So not far not bad. at all. Mm-mm. So just about less, you know, in less than less than ten minutes, we're definitely looking at the at the shrimp boats and the big container ships, you know, coming coming into the Savannah River. And then on, you know, if we head um, if we head west, we're only about two blocks away from the salt marsh. Ah, a different ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What are some of the species, plant or animal that that you guys will be researching on Tybee? Well, a big one this year is we're going to research um, oysters. That's, that's a big one. Very important. And also birds. We're going to be doing a big project on shorebirds. So I'm really excited about that. What is juncus? You said that one the first time I talked to you. Sounds like a dirty word, Katie. What is juncus? <laughs> well, juncus is it's a it's a marsh plant. It's um, black needle rush is the, the common name. So it's a very sharp and pointy type of, of marsh grass. To or, protect itself. Is that the reason? I guess so. Yeah, it could be to protect itself. Yeah. yeah, but there's a saying amongst scientists when you're walking through the marsh, you're doing field research, don't get junkus in your trunkus. <laughs> I love that. So. Love an odd sounding name. I am a Mingwasser after all. That's pretty odd. Name a few funny sounding specimens. Can you think of any others besides junkus? Funny sounding specimen, like their names? Yeah. Well, there's um, there's one, uh, Yopon Holly. 
which is mm. uh, it's a it's a holly bush that grows here, and the scientific name is Elix vomitoria because they say that um, in the past that it was the plant was used as um, a ritual plant for Native Americans who would um, consume so much of it that they would vomit in order to cleanse them their cleanse themselves before they went into battle. Excellent. I definitely thought vomit when you said that. Mm -hmm. So it's named adequately. If you have too much of it, then you could get sick. But you can also just use a little bit of it and it makes it's the only caffeinated plant that we have. And not vomitorium or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What is your favorite animal personally? And this could be native to Tybee or elsewhere. doesn't matter. My favorite animal definitely um, is my dog, Frederick. Right. And we're making it personal. It's Fred. Honestly, it's not (laughs) dogs in general. It's Frederick. Yeah. Frederick would be my favorite animal. My favorite, (laughs) I guess my favorite wild animal right now. I'm always going through phases. Currently, I'm kind of obsessed with horseshoe crabs Mm. and also red knots, which are a migratory bird that they actually winter down in South America the very bottom of South America, and then they migrate all the way up to the Arctic. What? So, yeah. They can live in both climates? Yeah, they, they spend the winters down in the very tip of South America, and then they migrate all the way up to the Arctic to nest, and they stop off along the Georgia coast, and that's when we're one of their, their flyover stops where they feed and rest before they continue on their journey. Cool. So you're constantly changing your target in terms of what you're interested in, I bet. Always. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that about you. And Frederick loves that he was named first, though. So (laughs) he's like, thanks, Mom. I like flamingos a lot in terms of birds that you find around water. Well, have you seen the roseate spoonbill? No. Okay, that's a a Georgia native bird that's pink that we have. And is it pink from eating from its diet, just like the flamingo? Yes. I love that. And they're, they're, they're beautiful. And they have, they, their beaks are shaped like spoons and they fish in the water, but... How handy. An efficient bird. I love that. They're I'm going to that They're up. really cool. How long have you been teaching? This, um, I've been teaching for 12 years. Always science? I started out teaching elementary school, third grade. So I started out teaching all the subject areas. And I did that for quite a while. I've, I've only been teaching middle grade science now for three years. Why is science your chosen subject? I love the opportunity to be curious about the natural world. I love to get outside at any opportunity and to just explore and ask questions and try and figure things out. And so I I think science is, it's fun. It is. You're always, you have such wonder for it too. I remember talking to you on the phone the first time setting up this interview and you mentioning, you know, you always find something outside, even just in your yard. Oh yeah. What did you find that day when I was talking to you? I don't know what I found that day, but when I came home, (laughs) I was out of town. I came home in my backyard I have a dead tree. It's like my favorite tree because dead trees are great for wildlife and also fungi. There was a giant fungus growing on my tree, probably, I don't know, a half a meter large. You were so proud. It was it. so cool. Yeah. I took many photos and sent them around to all my... <laughs> Look at my fungi. <laughs> I, have, I have some other mushroom-loving nerdy <laughs> friends that I sent the photo to. Like, look at this. Just in the backyard. I don't like mushrooms. Okay. Don't like mushrooms. Just don't do mushrooms, period. But uh, oh. the day I talked to you said that you were looking at a baby lizard <laughs> is what it uh, was that day. Yeah. yeah. There's always something different every day. Yeah, I saw the baby lizard and I wondered, where do they lay their eggs? And then I actually started talking to some people about it and... I don't know. There's some eggs on the like my glass sliding glass door stuck on there. 
And I think that they could potentially be lizard eggs. Oh, my gosh. I'm keeping my eye out that for that. That would be terrifying for me, but you would also be very enthused about this. I would be very excited be if very I saw excited. baby lizards emerge from my <laughs> sliding glass door. It would you, make my day. You need, a, you need, a, you need to start a, a Reddit subgroup overheard <laughs> by science teachers. The things you guys say are just truly impressive. As, as if this isn't enough, can you think of something else that's interesting about you or your background? Um, well, I guess one of the things that really drove me to kind of a passion for for natural history is um, when I graduated college, I went and worked on boats in Alaska wow. for four years and spent a lot of time um, traveling around. I'd work there during the summer season and then in the winters, I'd, I'd save up money and then in the winters try and go backpack somewhere and explore. So I traveled all around to Southeast Asia and South America. And I think just exploring those places, it's kind of crazy. It's like... I went to all these different places, and then when I came home, I really realized, like, you know, I, I live in the most one of the most beautiful places on the planet, um, which is the Georgia coast. So yes. sometimes you just need to get out and travel and see the world to make you appreciate what you, what you have right there. Exactly. And a life and work on a boat, what better way to view wildlife, which seems totally. to be what you love. Tell me about your school. What makes it unique? Well, the Tybee Island Maritime Academy, we are a K through eight um, public charter school and we are uh, we have a maritime curriculum that we've created. So we kind of have this thread uh, of maritime running through all the different projects that we do. Uh, we try and focus on questions related to our maritime community. So I think that that's something that is pretty unique Um you know, in the entire country there. I don't think there are too many maritime schools. Exactly. And you have access to a salt marsh. Which is pretty cool. You're going to collect data there this year with your students. Yes, definitely. Incredible. Why PBLs for you from a significance standpoint? Well, I think one of the most important things for, for our students is to make learning relevant to them. You know, something that they're interested in, something that they can, you know, relate to their community or their life. It makes um, it makes learning kind of come alive for them. And I think through project-based learning, it whatever it is that we're working on is very relevant. Yes. And everything's, you told me everything's interconnected. Everything is connected. When you do it yes, that way. Yes. It's like when you're in project-based learning, you know, you don't, I, I think our elementary school students, they don't, they don't see subject areas. You know, they're not like, oh, we're doing science right now. We're doing math. Everything's connected and related to this big question that they're working on. Mm -hmm. And in middle school, we, we want the students to feel the same way. We want them to really understand, you know, there's every everything is connected. In order to really do the process of science, you have to understand the language of math and you have to be able to communicate. That's huge. That really so. changes the way they think and we think about the disciplines if we do that. Now for a, a how-to, how do you start developing PBLs to our teachers listening today? They're curious. Well, at my school, we have collaborative planning. So a big part of that is just getting together with all the, the, with the team of teachers that you work with and brainstorming some ideas. And a lot of times somebody will come to the meeting with an idea that they already have. But if not, then you might start thinking about um, some of the different standards that you want to focus on with your students in that particular quarter or whatever the time frame is and see if you can find some a project idea that would go along with those with that topic. Excellent. So it pretty much starts with meetings. 
it starts with the meanings, we get the idea, and then we kind of, the next step after you have an idea is to build um, what we call the driving question. So that's the big question that the students are going to be trying to answer throughout the course of the entire PBL. So something we might say um, with the birds, for example, we want to, how, how might we engage our community in bird stewardship? Something or how might we reduce waste at our school? something like that. So food waste at our school. And then once you have the driving question, then you can start to kind of dive in and build the lessons and activities that you're going to be doing with the students that will help them answer that question. What is the driving question for this academic year? So the first one is the first PBL that we're doing is the the shorebird question. So how might we engage our community in bird stewardship Stewardship. to help reverse the, the current uh, trend in bird population decline. Incredible. And that's going to mm-hmm. make an actual difference there. And and that question, actually, that particular PBL, we got that idea from work with a community partner. Interesting. Because there's a, there's a group that's on Tybee currently that's trying, to, they're trying to do just that. They're trying to build up stewardship in the community. And so we've been working with them on this project. So it's a, it's a total partnership. That raises an excellent point. What role, what role do community partners play in terms of developing PBLs? Well, community partners could play a huge role, like in this project we're going to do, where they're going to be, you know, with us throughout. They're actually going to come into the, into the classroom and introduce the project to the students. They're going to pose the problem to them themselves, and they're going to be with us the whole way. So you might have um, community partners that are involved from start to finish, you also might have a project idea, and then you bring you try and reach out to community partners based on that project. So I can think of another example where we the students um, were creating comic books, mm-hmm. and this was a, an awesome project idea by our great math teacher, Robin Allison. She had the idea to try and incorporate the math of comic books. And so the students were working on this project, and we reached out to some people at SCAD, and we had some really wonderful um, SCAD students come and share their work with the students. And for our listeners who don't know, what is SCAD? SCAD is the Savannah College of Art and Design. Not only did they share what they did, but they also were able to then give our kids feedback on their work. So you can have community partners, you know, come in for just one lesson or come to give feedback or be really involved. But I think the most important thing is that the students know that, you know, they have an audience for their work Mm. and that people outside of just the school building are going to be seeing what they do. It has a purpose. It will see the light of day. Exactly. Exactly. And that teaches them that the work early and young, that the work that they do is bigger than themselves. Yes. Absolutely. Service learning is is a big part as well. What is the biggest challenge then when when we're developing PBLs? Um, Well, I think the biggest challenge you know, for me is also what what makes it fun in that you're going to be most likely planning something that's unique to your student's interest or to your community. So there's it's not something that's already created. There's a lot of planning involved. There's reaching out to community partners, trying to bring people in. And so that can be that can be time consuming. But that's also one of the things that I love most about being a teacher is the opportunity to be creative. So and I think a lot of teachers feel that way, you know. So mm-hmm. with PBL, you get to do that. It can be challenging, but it's it's rewarding and, um, you know, it's great for students. And the impact, to, to piggyback on that, what impact has project-based learning had on student achievement, student engagement, classroom climate? I mean, I know it affects all of those areas. I, yes, definitely. I think it affects all of those areas. As far as classroom climate, you know, when, when you can really get your students to buy into the project that you're doing, um, which, you know, 
may or may not happen. Sometimes we have projects that are hits and sometimes they're misses. But if you can really get it to, to get them to buy in, then, of course, they're going to be super engaged. It's not even going to feel like work. Yeah. You know, it's going to feel like doing something that they care about. And there's a lot of cooperative learning that's involved with PBL. So they're working in groups. You know, they're they're brainstorming. They're they're getting the opportunity to create something and be creative. And I think that as far as student engagement and climate, that that's very impactful. Because when you're actually having that opportunity to create, you know, it's not just um, you're, you're making something of meaning. You know, you're not just absorbing information or just doing something. You're actually creating. Yes. And the collaboration, I know, is is creating wonderful outcomes for the class as a team. What about student individual achievement? Individual achievement. Yeah. So I think I definitely think in terms of project based learning, students are having to they're having to work through problems. They're having to think critically. And I think that also within every project, you know, students set goals and they may have a goal for themselves that they want to learn something new or they want to be able to, you know, to create this product at the end or be a part of this. And when when they are able to achieve that, it gives them a sense of pride. And I definitely think project based learning is excellent for student achievement. Amazing. Can you describe what you would call your most significant aha moment? During your first PBL that you did, did you have one? I did. So my first PBL was back when I was a third grade teacher, and I I wasn't teaching at a school that had an emphasis on PBL, and I don't even think at the time I realized that I was doing PBL with my students. It was just <laughs> they had this really big interest in caterpillars. We were finding all these caterpillars outside at recess, and I thought, well, what, how can we, you know, how can I really build this into what we're doing? And so we did and we started, we went out, you know, outside on walks and collected caterpillars and we got, um, we got one of those kits that have the butterfly larva. And I had one student in particular who had kind of, I think throughout the course of the year, didn't, didn't really seem too engaged in a lot of what we were doing in the classroom, but he was so into this. We were reading about care for for these caterpillars we had in the classroom, and then there was something we read that said caterpillars like, you know, they don't like a lot of noise. They need quiet, and so he's telling everyone else in the class, be quiet, be quiet, you know, got to keep it the down. Caterpillars. He was so into it, and we ended up building a pollinator garden in the in the school um, because they were so engaged, and for me, that was just a huge aha moment like that's you know, what this is about this, this that's what this is about this is what I, I want learning should be fun right you know that's my biggest thing and those results are indisputable what advice do you have for a new teacher who is considering implementing pbls i would definitely say um as a new teacher you know you can start small a PBL does not have to be a, an entire nine weeks. You could do a one-week PBL, do something small. There's also, you know, a lot of great res- resources online where you can get ideas. There's something called PBL Works, which is a great online, free online resource that teachers can use. Um, and I would say also don't um, – You don't have to try and make everything fit into a PBL. Mm. Like if you're teaching something, you know, in social studies, let's say, and it doesn't fit, you don't everything doesn't have to go into it. You know, you can teach things separately. So don't don't try and force it, I guess, is, is another piece of advice. And then I also think, you know. Sometimes um, don't get discouraged if the project doesn't turn out the way that you 
think that it might. <laughs> if it falls uh, a little flat, if maybe. If it falls a little flat or maybe it's, you know, sometimes it's great to set high expectations. And a lot of times your students are going to meet that and go beyond. But sometimes it may not be what you had envisioned. And that's OK, too. Mm. You know, it's always about just learning and growing. Um so uh, also collaborate with the other teachers in your building, especially your applications teachers, your art teacher, music teacher. All of those people are great people to collaborate with when you're doing PBLs. I want to hear about your teaching tips. That's always the last thing that we love to focus on just to get a window into your world. But before we do that, can you give us just sort of an overview of PBLs that you might be doing in your classrooms this year? Well, so we've got the big... The big bird bird stewardship bird one. day. We're gonna have a big bird festival. Hopefully, that's that's gonna be a big one. Ooh, bird festival. Yep, that's hopefully gonna be the end goal of that. Our sixth graders focus on ecotourism in the maritime industry, so um, hope we're gonna have them work to create their own ecotourism businesses with a website to go along and, and maybe even have them take out some of the younger students on some of their different excursions. Incredible. That's one that I'm really excited about. And then another really big one um, that I am very passionate about, I'm hoping I can get this off the ground, is to have the students do a lot of uh, research, collect, collect a lot of data on our existing oyster reefs on Tybee Island, and then potentially be able to do our own sort of oyster reef restoration project on the island. Um, that's something I'm really excited about. Those are incredible. Okay, on to your teaching tips, Katie. What's the low-hanging fruit that teachers can do right away in terms of starting PBLs in their classrooms? I think one thing that you can do right away is just getting your kids um, asking a lot of questions. So there's one thing that I, I love to do in my classroom. I think a lot of teachers do this already is, is if you Put something on the board, whether it's a, a photo, some sort of scientific phenomenon or um, a graph. You're showing a data set. Have your kids do an I see, I think, I wonder mm. and start writing down their observations, their questions that they have about whatever that is. And when you start getting those student questions, you might have a, an aha moment where you're like, oh, that's a really good question. You know, we could turn that into a PBL that could be that could be a project that could be the um, thing that spurs it on. Yeah, we we had I had one student we were talking about flooding on Tybee and one student just asked, uh, well, how come some houses flood while others don't, you know, and then mm. we, we were able to. Well, that's a great question, you know, we, and so myself and um, another math teacher I was working with at the time, Mr. Claris, we kind of turned that into a little mini PBL where the students were able to investigate that question and. How very turned inquisitive. Out, turned out really well. To leave our teachers with a cool opportunity that they can look forward to. There's stuff in this for them, Katie. You just completed a workshop when I first spoke with you about bringing you on. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so this workshop is called the Schoolyard Program, and it is put on through the University of Georgia Marine Institute, as well as the Long-Term Ecological, Georgia Coastal Ecosystems Long-Term Ecological Research Project, which is located on Sapelo Island, Georgia. And I've done this workshop now three times. And the great thing about it is that the purpose of this workshop is for teachers to be able to actually go out in the field with research scientists who are conducting research on Sapelo and get a really deep understanding of the scientific process. Um, and so it's open to any teacher in the state of Georgia. And it's just a great experience. Spend the week on Sapelo, get to talk to scientists, ask them a million questions about their research. Think about how can I apply what I've learned here back in the classroom 
And it's just an awesome experience. So it does evolve the way you teach and the way you interact with students in the science setting, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Well, the only thing better than PBLs would be PBLs with PB&Js. Can we market (laughs) test that? Katie, have you tried? Yeah. I mean, anytime you're going to have snacks. I know. It's where project-based learning meets food-based learning. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> Let's try it out. Will you get back to me if you do a mini project on that? I, P- PBLs with PB&Js? Yeah. Yes. I yeah. think it's going to be a raging success. Well, we did make, last year we did make clam chowder. You did? We were learning about aquaculture, oh. shellfish aquaculture. And there's an amazing clamfish farmer in South Georgia of course named Captain there Charlie is. Phillips. Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips donated uh, 300 of his Sapelo Sea Farm clams to us and we had a clam chowder feast. Oh, that's amazing. so good. I love a soup stew or chowder. PBL chowder. is always better with food. Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad I was the only one thinking this way. Thank you for being here today, Katie. Yeah, my pleasure. You're this awesome. Great. It was like a holiday. The beach came here. And thank you for tuning in, teachers. Project-based learning, as we've learned, is real life. As Katie taught us, we see, we think, we wonder. Keep doing your amazing work implementing the standards while innovating your lessons, while grounding the learning like Katie does. We're here to applaud those efforts because you're a great teacher. PBL's what we yell. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 